after some technical difficulties, things appear to be working now. My apologies. Welcome to the How To Dad podcast. This is episode three. My name is Devin Pierce. It is March 24th, 2019, and today's topic is the foundation of resiliency. I don't know about you guys, but myself personally, I'm a lot better at the initial. If I try to redo something, a speech, a chat, a conversation with somebody, because they weren't really listening or whatever, I can never remember all the awesome things I thought about the first time, and it's just gone. So, really sucks that my audio decided to crap out of me on the previous attempt of the podcast. We're going to start off by, we're going to tackle the who, what, when, where, why, and how of resiliency and building a foundation in your children. This is going to be an ongoing topic throughout the different age groups, uh, as there's a series of books that I'm using for inspiration of this topic. The books are called The Bounce Back Books. We're dealing with the birth to two years section. I'm going to show you guys that are watching live. These really adorable little characters that they have. They're like regular animals, but misproportionately designed to make them extra cute with big googly eyes. This was published by the Alberta Mental Health Board, whose information seems to have changed as the email address on the back here doesn't work when I try to use it. But I got this from my local parent link coordinator. So if you have a parent link in your area, which if you are in Canada, you have a parent link center somewhere. It might go by a slightly different name if it's partnered with your local government, but typically they're still connected to the parent link group and they'll be able to get your hands on this. You can also Google this or look this up on the Alberta Mental Health website. And they actually give you a way to access their uh, ordering system so you can order these books yourself. They don't have digital copies anymore from what I could find online, but uh, you can order copies of these for yourself. Before we get into this too far though, I'm going to mention that the Alberta Mental Health people and ParentLink will tell you that there is no such thing as spoiling a child between birth to two years of age. So give them all the love and attention you can, and they do discourage letting your kid cry it out. You're the parent though, I'm just passing along information. You do you. Let's start with what is resilience? What does it even mean? How do we know whether or not we're teaching it to our kids? Well, first we gotta know what it is, don't we? So when you Google it, you get two definitions. You get a capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. Toughness. And the second definition we get is the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, such as a sponge after you squish it. The level of resilience in a sponge determines how fast it bounces back into its original form. Makes sense? So when we take that and we look at the how they define it here in the book, it's kind of a combination of those two things and then directly applied to people. A person's ability to bounce back from or react positively when things don't go the way they hoped is resiliency. And we're gonna touch on why. Why should I teach resiliency to my children? Well, the definition kind of sums that up, doesn't it? Really? Uh, you're giving your tools, you're giving your children, <laughs> some of you might refer to your child as a tool from time to time, but please don't. Oh, <laughs> uh, my mouth words today, I tell you what. <laughs> You're establishing the tools needed to deal with and recover from life's problems. 
It teaches the children that they can rely on you to get them through sh shenanigans. Ooh. I almost said a bad word there. It allows your children to realize that they can rely on you to give them skills they need to get through life. And it also allows them to learn they can rely on themselves by applying those things that you've taught them. So that when you're not there anymore, they can still get through the tough times in life. And this starts at birth. And that's kind of what we're going to get into with this episode today. Who should teach resiliency to children? Well, most commonly this is viewed as the task of the primary caregiver or caregivers. But realistically, everyone who is a part of the children's upbringing are in fact helping them learn to be resilient, often through day-to-day -day interactions or activities. And so that kind of answers the next question, doesn't it? It's funny how when you start answering questions, they roll into each other like that. Oh, I just kicked my desk. And that's the when. When should you start teaching your children resiliency? Well, good news, my fellow parents. Whoa. And guardian types. You probably already have. And that is what is awesome about this. So you already are because you already are interacting with your children. Assuming you have a healthy, positive relationship with them, you're teaching them the basics they need to be a resilient child. This is done through common daily interactions, and such as games, activities, or even just by meeting their basic needs, feeding them, clothing them, keeping them clean. I'm going to stress the keeping them clean one, because I've seen some people that have issues with that one. If it looks like a ragamuffin, smells like a ragamuffin, and look, tastes like a dumpster, it's not supposed to as a child. This takes us into the how, though, right? How do we teach it to our children? Well, like I said, those basic activities. When you teach it to children from birth to two years, what you're looking for is creating the foundation of attachment. For the audio listeners, I'm using the finger quotations on that one. Um, attachment is specifically in this example or in these books is defined as the strong emotional bond between a child and its primary caregivers. A child is bonded to its parents pretty much once it's born. And that's just a primal urge to connect to something to keep it safe. And then you build attachment out of a positive and developing relationship much in the same way as last week's episode when we were talking about routines and structure um these same kind of principles will apply here to building that foundation in your child's life to that both the attachment and resiliency so strong attachment strong resiliency for the zero to twos something to consider as well every single child and family is going to be different in how they view parenting and parental interaction. Interactions? Interaction. Things such as sociological or cultural differences may predetermine how you interact with your kids. 
And it's becoming more and more common now for men to stay home or for uh, men to take time from work to be home with their developing child here in North America now. But for a long time, it was actually shunned by society for a man to even consider taking time to help raise the children. Well, that's the woman's job. But as everything else has been changing in society, so has the view on parenting as a dad. And that's awesome. I myself have taken time off for all three of my kids. Um, took off for my first son about two weeks, a little over two weeks, or a little over a week before he was scheduled to be born. Up until he was about four months old. I think that was when I finally went back to work. Um, for my daughter, I didn't, I think I might have taken a couple days off. But what I ended up doing for that was I stopped working out of town months before that and got a job where I could be home more frequently but still be able to bring money in. Um, and then just took uh, a few days extra off around a weekend. And uh, that particular job, three days a week, I was done by noon. So, you know, I was home quite a bit and done often by 6 o'clock at night. So... It was definitely a lot better than when I was gone for three to four weeks at a time. Uh, with uh, my last son, Odin, um, I had already been off work for close to six months before he was born. I took a whole year off work in total before I started bus driving this past uh, September. I'm really well known for being the dad that shows up to things because I took that time to be around for my kids. I take a little bit of pride in that, I'm not going to lie. Anyways, as I was saying, different families, different societies, your views on this are going to be a little bit different. Uh, creating attachment also is not um, instantaneous. It is a process that we establish with our children over the span of our lifetimes. Uh, taking a look at my relationship with my parents as an example, um, I always had a strong attachment to my mother growing up. My mother was pretty much always home with me or, you know, nearby. Um, prior to the store where that I mentioned in last week's episode that was attached, my dad was never really around. He was busy working a lot. And I respected my dad in a completely different way than I did my mom. My dad was very much the come home and be authoritative because mom probably wasn't a parent, very cliche. And um, I would have to say it was after that point of moving to Blue Ridge here and being able to be involved with his employment because he was just through the pantry door um, allowed for us. That's when our relationship really started to develop. And that's where our attachment comes from. Um, just an example of that it doesn't have to happen between birth to two years or every parent, or every caregiver. So with the toddlers and babies, um, engaging with them is how you get the basic foundation for attachment. So this goes back to what I was saying. It's just your regular everyday activities. Um, things like skin-to-skin -skin contact, which is a big thing being pushed by mainstream media lately. But if you had ever been near a any other ethnicity 
for society besides North American. <laughs> if you had hung out with a bunch of hippies, this is not new by any stretch of the imagination. This is old school basics. Babies like skin on their skin. It comforts them. Also helps them regulate their body temperature when they're newborn, by the way. Um, making eye contact with your kids and doing that through playing games with them can teach them so many things, but that eye contact while you're with them teaches them that it's okay to look at people and trust people. Eye contact builds trust. Trust builds attachment. Attachment builds resiliency. Getting all the blocks together. I need Lego blocks. I gotta unpack my kids' Lego blocks so I can start building blocks when we're talking about connecting things and raising children. That is something I gotta do. I even have a pen here to write that down. Just so I don't forget because I got a lot of stuff on my plate as it is. Might lose that piece of paper, but I wrote it down so I should remember. Um, another simple activity that can help you build a good, strong attachment with your newborn to two-year-old child is bath time. And my, my wife would be very proud of the bouncing back book. They actually suggest bathing with the child, if you're comfortable with that. And then they say in brackets, if you're not comfortable with that, such as myself, you can just make sure to comfort them and engage with them from the side of the tub. I thought it was really cute when I saw that in the book. This is definitely a very different thing for my spouse and I. So, you're playing with your kids, you're making eye contact, you're touching them, they're touching you. You've bathed them however way you're comfortable. But what's next? Well, next we're going to get on to communication. Okay? And you're thinking to yourself, but they don't communicate. They just make random noises. That's communication. Even physical gesturing. And we're going to get into that a little bit more with the next topic. But ensuring the communication is a two-way communication is huge. Again, going back to last week's episode where we talked about involving your children in building routines and listening to what they have to say. The same goes for developing children who don't know how to talk. Letting them get their babble out. Oh, cool. Yeah, I got you. Sure, sure, sure. You just pretend what they're saying until you can start picking out words or... Uh, rhythms, patterns. Uh, there are certain sounds as you get to know each individual child better. You associate them with certain tasks, actions, or things occurring. There's a very different scream that comes out of my uh, year-old son when his sister steals something out of his hands than when he drops something on his foot, as an example. You just got to be listening for it, right? When your child is still tied to you by lifeline, set them up in their chair, they're at the table while you're making dinner, as an example. In the early stages, describing like you are the narrator to a described video TV show or movie, talking that way to your children, 
and showing things when you mention things. Right now, I'm lifting my glass and putting it to my lips. I took a drink of my beverage and set it back down. You're teaching all these different words. They're not going to get them all. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's, you're showing them how a sentence should be formed, how grammar works, what different things are called other things. And especially once they do start talking, this will make huge differences in their ability to articulate as they start going. This all stimulates their uh, developing language center and again builds that trust because you're trusting them with the one thing they can't do yet, talking. And that is a huge milestone for kids. So by interacting with them in that fashion, you, you're showing that you trust them to take your language and use it. All right. <laughs> the more I say this out loud, the more like absurd that sounds, but it's so true. It really is. Um, if you're bored of just describing yourself in whatever which way, or you don't want to do that, you want something different, nursery rhymes and songs. I wouldn't be singing Rack City, but you can do other things. <laughs> and you can even take what you're doing and just throw it into a rhythm or song that you already know. I personally take pretty much every Christmas song and carol that's ever been taught to me and then sing it about my children and the activities that we're doing on an almost daily basis. My son thinks I'm nuts, the five-year-old. Or, sorry, he's six. The six-year-old thinks I'm nuts. The five-year-old is jealous that I can come up with songs that quick. And the baby thinks it's the best thing in the universe. My wife is also an avid makeshift singer when trying to entertain our children, and the kids love it. Even the six-year-old thinks we're nuts about it, about it but... He, he loves it, not that he'd say, but he loves it. Then the next step in this building that trust for your foundation of attachment is taking the, the communication that they do give you once they start using words, correcting them so that they know how to do it better. Um, an example, I seen a puppy. Yes, you, you, you saw a dog today, yes. Right? Just getting that little bit of grammatical correction in there because this shows that you listened to your child you understood what they said which is the main thing that they were trying to get across but also that there's room for improvement and that you love them enough to teach them the right way you're not being a dick well, tone and body positioning you, you can be a dick but don't be a dick about it be polite about it there's the right way to do this so don't feel bad about correcting how your kids talk. Um, don't correct other people's kids. That's their job. I have seen that bite someone in the butt before where the other parent was not as enthusiastic about their child being educated by someone other than themselves. Again, every parody parent, everybody parents differently. You do you, but do you for your kids, not other people's. Respect boundaries. Bubbles. So I mentioned that we were talking about physical gesturing. 
the reason I'm going to save this for this portion of the topic is the emotional identification and expression of those emotions. Majority of how we express our emotions are done by facial expressions, body positioning, tone, and all those other things that aren't exactly the words. And we know from studies that those things are actually the primary way we communicate and that words only constitute about 17% of how we interact with another human being. The way you teach these things to your kids is you communicate how you're feeling when you are feeling it. And this can be a little tricky when you're feeling negative emotions, so it takes practice. I'm not going to lie. As an example, you can say, I stubbed my toe and I'm mad at myself for doing that. And I'm also sad because it hurts as the tears roll down your face because you probably broke your pinky toe. Because it's always the pinky toe, it's never any other toe. And when it is, those ones really hurt because they're not used to it. <laughs> Sorry, I got distracted by the chat room. I've been told that letting the spouse go to Walmart by herself may have been a bad idea. Ooh. Good luck, honey. Thanks for watching and tuning in. I appreciate it. Another thing is suggesting to your kids how they may be feeling if they're having difficulty expressing this. Um, because they haven't learned all the words yet, right? So telling your kid, you look sad since you lost your blanket or since you broke this toy. Um, you're getting really upset right now. You're getting mad right now. Telling them what's happening when you can clearly identify what's happening helps them build those connections so they have an understanding. Um, this is another situation where children with things like ADHD or ODD have more difficulty understanding and articulating how they are feeling. Um, and I have some tricks for that, but I'm not sure it would work for small children at this age. So I'm going to save that when we do the next age bracket. And I will talk to you guys about the tricks that my son uses to, and has made a huge difference in his ability to identify his own emotions. The next one we're going to talk about, this applies to any and all relationships that you will ever have in your entire life. So this is an important thing to think about. Repairing a relationship. Every relationship has its ups and downs and ups and downs and ups and downs. And that's okay. Things aren't supposed to be perfect or however your perfect might look, but Knowing when things have gone astray in a relationship, identifying why that happened, and then correcting them appropriately, that's where you really strengthen a relationship. Um, in my personal life, I think the best example of that is probably my relationship with my two besties, uh, Ashley and Rayanne. They are a lesbian couple that I've known since uh, high school. Ashley stood with me at my wedding. I stood with Ashley for her wedding. I've often said, we've been through so much crap. I don't think we're ever not going to be friends. Because we went through the downs and the ups. And when we hit those downs, we built our relationship back up into the ups. The same thing applies with your children. Even though you've just started with your child, 
You need to be a good role model and take the step you need in order to reconnect with your child when something goes astray. Um, an example they give in the bounce back books is when you're dealing with basic separation anxiety that occurs in most children in the one to two years range when they start to play shy or get really upset when mom and dad leaves because mom maybe is going back to work or whatever the case may be, uh, or dad going back to work in my case. What you want to do with that is, yes, I left, but now I've come back and it's okay. You're okay. Nothing bad happened. Um, there are some really great games that everybody knows that can help you with that. I'm actually going to bring up, there's one in here that I hadn't done before. I don't know why it's not in my notes. Ava says, oh, that's a cool book. Or cool activity. Uh, Peekaboo is the one to start around six months of age and hiding the baby, letting the baby hide themselves. That establishes the basis of it's okay for people to leave and come back. They're not always gone forever, you know? Uh, the other game that they have in here is simply playing hello and goodbye. Once they've developed the... <laughs> like the way this is worded. Once they have, the infant has developed the ability to understand that people and things exist, even when you can't see them. That comes from playing games like uh, Peekaboo. Uh, and making sure you're always saying hello, goodbye, every time you see or go away from your child. So that even if you're just going around the corner, goodbye. And when they come running around the corner and you're still there, you go, hello. That helps build that... Uh, repairing of the relationship because they think they feel in the bottom of their soul that you are the meanest person in the world because you walked around the corner in the kitchen and they couldn't see you because they're too short to look over the counter we're dealing with that right now uh, like on an hourly basis with odin i'm actually not doing too bad for time um the audio issue earlier kind of screwed me up but we have a few more points to get through and then we're done. So if there's any questions in the chat, be sure to type them in and I'll get to them before the end of the episode. If you'd like to join me, audio listeners, live in the chat room, I am live on the mixer.com every Sunday is when I go live, usually around 6 p.m. Mountain Time. If you've ever gone to a ParentLink Center to learn how to be a better parent, good on you. If you haven't yet, Find some courses. They're awesome. I've done about 60 or so of them. And uh, I love it. I really do. What I like about it is that it gives you tools in your toolbox to help you be a better parent, right? One of the consistent things throughout the ParentLink programs, regardless of what program you're doing, is the importance of self-care. So... This is not directly related to your child's foundation for resiliency, but more or less on the aspect of being a good role model for your kids and establishing how to be a resilient person. And that's self-care. Taking time and making sure you make the time to take care of your resiliency. Calling on your partner or another family member or your friends, even community members. If you go to church, sometimes they have church groups for these types of things. Um, and parent links sometimes have things like this. 
our local multi-use facility has so many programs almost every day for all ages that don't go to school. And plus they have the child mind program to help look after your kids when you're trying to get back in shape. You get this help to raise your child when you need a hand or time to yourself. And the reason you do that is it gives you the opportunity to recharge your batteries. Life is like an airplane emergency. You put your mask on first so that you can help other people. If you don't, you will pass out before you get the mask on your kid. And now there's two people who don't have oxygen instead of one person who didn't get it very fast. You, as a parent, are important to your child's well-being. If you need help, reach out for help. You do not need to be alone in this. There are community supports. Find them. If you can't find any, shoot me a message. I will find them for you. I will hunt them down and I will bring them to your doorstep if you live in Alberta. But it is the importance of setting that example of I'm resilient because I'm taking care of myself to make sure I have the energy to take care of you. Getting that mindset of how it benefits your child for you to be in a good place makes a huge difference in how you parent your kids. Um, taking advantage of those moments to actually recharge your batteries is also really important. Well, it's great to have somebody watch your kids while you go and run a couple of errands so you don't have the additional stress of trying to wrangle your children while you go grocery shopping. Grocery shopping doesn't count. Take yourself on a date if you don't have a significant other at the time. Or, or take your significant other out on a date. Maybe, maybe you're just going to sit at home and read a book after a nice hot shower. You know what I would love? A hot coffee. It's been a while. Uh, the move has kind of thrown out a wrench, but my spouse and I uh, actually, no, that's a lie. My spouse and I actually sat out on our new front porch in the beautiful weather here the other day and drank a couple cups of coffee while our one-year-old tried out on his rubber boots and discovered that he can't walk down slopes very slowly. And he startled himself. It was funny. Um, but taking that time for yourself to recharge, even just in that moment of a cup of coffee, will make a huge difference in how you are mentally prepared to be the example your children need. I already touched on this. They, this book has lots of activities for each of the little topics. They go into more detail about telling stories and different ways to create stories in here uh, to work on the communication with your kids. Uh, there's one here about using a bag of random objects, going through photo albums, or where it comes to cooking and uh, baking things and how to turn that into a story to engage your children. Really quite interesting. As with any readings that I bring up in this podcast, guys, it's because I've read it, I enjoyed it, I thought it had points worth adding to my toolbox, and that's why I share it with you guys. I'm not going to get into all those things, just a couple examples, right? You might be able to find some new games. I know there's a bunch of books. Uh, we've seen a few that are like 365 activities to do with your kids, uh, whatever, whatever. You don't need that many activities. You just need a few that you like. But if you're struggling because you're bored of something, 
Go down to your local library and borrow the book for an hour. You don't you don't need to buy the book. Save yourself some money. Go down to the local library, rent it out, make that your per, your me time reading. Uh, I'm not entirely sure that would count, but you can try it. What I would like to say though is if you guys go through some sort of books or activities, or if you have an activity I didn't mention today, tweet at me at crown so c r o w n e s s zero or email me at crownessel at gmail.com with the subject game i tried uh youtube uh, youtube replay watchers wow my mouth words today uh drop a line under the bridge where all the trolls live and let me know what your favorite game to play with your baby or toddler is. So Twitter, email, YouTube comments. Let me know. Chat room can let me know too. What is your favorite game to play with your toddler? I don't see any questions from the chat. Probably because she's busy at uh, Walmart shopping. But you guys have my Twitter. You guys have my email. Um, at this time, I would like to acknowledge the fact that Dad's class is on hold. I have not had time for editing videos for my channel. I um, haven't even been making videos for our family vlog channel. I've barely been keeping up with my wife's uh, YouTube channel. I do all her editing too. And yeah, I, I am making more content. I'm recording things on almost a daily basis for the Dad's class channel. I just haven't had time to sit down and do the editing. Also, I have not been streaming on Twitch and it's still not ready because I still haven't gotten everything home from the old house. I did pack up my TV, my Xbox One, and a couple other things. Uh, once that makes it to the house, I will be able to get set up and start streaming again on Twitch. As always, guys, thank you for watching. I really enjoyed this topic. I look forward to doing the other age group brackets as time goes on. If you guys have a topic you would like to suggest, hit me up on Twitter or email or in the comments on YouTube. Let me know. Um, I was supposed to be doing... What? Ah, actually, that is a good one. And it actually does fit. I, I was going to say, if I was doing another parenting topic, I was going to change it for next week, but I'm not. So next week's topic is going to be more about relationships, friendships, specifically for you as an adult and a parent. Our topic next week is remembering parent friends. Remembering that you have friends. You are not alone. And that's going to be a fun topic to get in touch with. It's been really fun uh, making little side notes for this one as time has been going on since I came up with the idea. So... I look forward to seeing you guys uh, or hearing from you guys and other methods if you don't catch me live. The How To Dad podcast is owned and hosted by myself, Devin Pierce, and is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License, all rights reserved. Uh, this is currently available live on Mixer, replays on YouTube, and for audio listeners on Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts and Radio Public. Thank you. Have a good night, everybody.
problem with having a mustache, but if you're drink, then it gets wet. Sure. <laughs> 